community content from Concentrate. You're up and Adam with Adam Montiel. Here we are. Adam Montiel, thank you so much for being up. And Adam, I hope your week is going great. We had a lot of fun. A lot of fun playing today, including Chris Lambert from the Your Own Backyard podcast. He will be here today to talk about all of the latest news, including the Smart family suing Cal Poly for negligence, wrongful death, and the murder of their daughter, Christian Smart. This is an interesting case. Where is this going to go? I think it might ride on some of the statute of limitations and when, quote, that clock will be considered started. My guess is attorneys for Cal Poly are going to say that this statute of limitations should have ran out years ago when attorneys for the Smart family could be saying, look, we haven't even got this information still. We only heard about some of it through the trial 25, 26 years later. Here we are 27 years later where last May the president of Cal Poly says, yes, mistakes were made. We'll ask Chris Lambert from the Your Own Backyard podcast about that. Also, when Paul got uh, almost murdered in prison. What was that like as he has been covering this story since 2019 in earnest with the beginning of the Your Own Backyard podcast, which I don't know, was only like the biggest podcast on earth. Also, if you participated in Slow Restaurant Week, I could be calling your phone. Someone is going to win $1,000 collectively to participating restaurants in Slow Restaurant Week. Before we jump into our lo-fi headlines, let's thank our friends at The General Store, Paso, offering local goods, hand-picked gifts, a curated cookbook selection, and really all the best for your pantry and home. Some great gift ideas. If you know someone, and what I love about them is all the ladies there are down to like, oh, these are really popular. This is really good. What kind of person are you shopping for? Oh, your boss. Oh, your dad. Oh, your sweetheart. They will get you taken care of, helping people connect with dozens of local makers. This is what they are all about. Celebrating over 10 years now on the park in downtown Paso. Open daily 11 to 6 and 10 to 6 on the weekends. You'll find them on Insta at General Store Paso. Up and Adams, lo-fi headlines. All right, so do you suffer from allergies? Are you willing to strap a comically large device to your face to help you deal with them? If so, good news. Now, if your allergies are bad enough, I got a bad situation. Breathing has been hard for a lot of my life in my nose, whole septum deviation, kind of broken my nose a bunch when I did karate. So this doesn't even sound that bad to me and I would consider it. It's a new gadget called Nasocalm. It just hit Kickstarter. You strap this thing to your face for 15 minutes a day and I guess it makes your allergies a lot better. So how does it work? By electrocuting your nose. It's got six little electrodes in it, three for each nostril that deliver small electric shocks that stimulate the muscles in your nose. Now, I kind of think of this as like maybe a TENS unit for your nostrils. I don't know. They claim making your nose muscles contract and relax, which is what those TENS units do. Clear your sinuses and let you breathe easier. Yes, please. It's small enough you could take it with you, so you can use it anywhere. The promo video shows a guy using it at his desk at work. The downside, it's kind of bulky on your face, so you will look like the weird one if you wear it at the office. They plan to sell for 100 bucks, but you can get it for 60 if you back them on Kickstarter. I'm almost, <laughs> I'm flirting with this. They claim it'll ship by March just in time for allergy season. I'll put a link to the product and the Kickstarter campaign in the show notes if you're interested. 
All right, remember when you could order a rare steak and we were all cool with maybe whatever the ramifications or consequences would be? Man, oh man, those were the days. This is pretty on brand for Canada too. An American tourist in Canada posted a photo after they ordered a burger at the Toronto Airport Hilton and they literally had to sign a waiver to get it cooked medium. Not even rare or medium rare, just medium. What is medium? Just a pink strip in the middle, right? They just signed a release. The waitress took the order, brought the burger, then she handed them a food waiver that said they couldn't sue if the burger made them sick. It's actually not a new thing. So Canada, Canada's had laws on the books for years that say restaurants have to do burgers well done to kill off any possible E. coli. That's 160 degrees. Medium is about 140 to 145. The person who ordered it said they didn't even end up eating the burger. They took a few bites and then after being told it's gonna kill them maybe, they just lost their appetite. A spokesperson for Hilton said, it's something that they do at that specific hotel, but it's not standard practice for Hilton's in the US, obviously, just for Canada. All right, coming up next, we're gonna talk to Chris Lambert from the Your Own Backyard Podcast. Thank you to We Help You Legal. Get ready for a legal solution that's been a cornerstone of our neighborhood since the year 2000. Meet Christina Knoll and Chris Rush. Chris Rush is actually going to be on the show later this week. The dynamic mother-son duo behind We Help You Legal. Two convenient locations, Slow, Paso. They're your go-to team for emergency same-day or next-day documents. Save on things like trusts, wills, power of attorneys, deeds, even divorce, and more. They offer efficient and reliable service. They can help you no matter where you live, but if you are in California, they can help you with LLCs, corporations, a lot more. Maybe you need in-home or hospital appointments in Slow County. They got you. Visit WeHelpYouLegal.com for a full range of services and 23 years of expertise in simplifying life's legal matters. WeHelpYouLegal.com. Up and Adams, lo-fi headlines. All right, yesterday we shared a story with you about Christian Smart's family who has filed a complaint with the court against Cal Poly for several things, including negligence and wrongful death as it relates to the murder of Kristen Smart, which we now know happened on their campus by someone who had been getting many complaints about his creepy and harassing behavior on campus. Now, this is really gonna come down to the statute of limitations. Cal Poly is likely to argue this happened so long ago, any statute of limitations with regards to negligence or wrongful death has long since expired. Now, the argument from Kristen Smart's family is likely going to be, look, we didn't even know about some of the things and your investigation, some of the things you haven't told us over the years until it came out in trial. So that statute of limitations clock shouldn't have been ticking from the last 25 years. It's pretty much happening right now. Also, you consider last May, Jeffrey Armstrong of Cal Poly pretty much admitting that mistakes were made. Can a statement like that open the doors of liability? Well, we are going to find out. Also, Lady I Fancy's sister who works in the legal field in Utah sent me this interesting article about a gal named Lauren McCluskey. She was murdered at a university in Utah. And same kind of thing where it was a lot of negligence on the part of the college how this student was murdered on their campus. And this case settled a couple years ago for almost 14 million bucks. Now that's Utah dollars. I think California dollars, that'd be a lot more. I don't know. 
Now, is everything the same in this Utah case? No, but there are some similarities. To talk about this and more for the rest of the week, we're really stoked to have on Chris Lambert. Our conversations with him are always some of the most popular things here, and he is just great at conversation. Of course, his work, phenomenal stuff he has put together with the Your Own Backyard podcast, his investigative work. Shoot, he's a very talented musician, scores the entire show himself. A lot of folks don't even know that. I'm excited to have you on, Chris. means a lot. You're here at the Low Bro Studios. Thank you so much for being up and at him. You're very welcome. Look at this. So... It's first of all, it's. I want. We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. We're going to talk about your music too today. Cool. Also, uh, the latest with the the Kristen Smart case. Did you know about this ahead of time and stuff? What what's what you talk, let's talk about the latest. What what went down? Yeah, I um, you know, I've discussed with the Smart family several times about what the next steps were for them, and this was something that they had discussed a number of times. Is what what happens with Cal Poly? Um, I think it's obviously it's not a monetary. Thing for them it's more about principle and feeling like Cal Poly really got away with very little taking very little responsibility for their part in destroying a crime scene like failing to investigate somebody who red flags were everywhere and just treating this like a missing person's case you know a runaway case for way too long until it was too late and refusing to turn over jurisdiction to the sheriff's department who had the resources and everything allocated to them to investigate a homicide as opposed to a campus police department which did not and so for years they felt kind of gross about that like just what happens here and obviously so many years have passed it wasn't clear whether the statute of limitations was going to be an issue and all that and so as i've checked in with them about what they're going to pursue next this was one that sort of took the forefront of something has to be done you know? now obviously you don't speak for the smart family right but you obviously are very close and you, you know the situation very well and you've been reporting on the situation incredibly well throughout there was a complaint a lawsuit was filed right so basically negligence negligent infliction of emotional distress, and then wrongful death. And so there's a few different angles in there that um, try to cover all bases, basically alleging that because Cal Poly did such a poor job of investigating this disappearance from the beginning, that you know all the mistakes the sheriff's department has made over the year, which they, I think, have taken responsibility for and have acknowledged a number of times in interviews and times I've sat down with them. Cal Poly never has. Cal Poly has always sort of been like, it's not our fault. You know, we, there's nothing we could have done to stop it. But then there's the, the record and stuff that came out during the trial, things that were anecdotal that I had talked about in the podcast about Paul Flores and his history on campus. Those have always been anecdotal with very little supporting evidence because they have maintained lock and key over all of their investigative files. For 27 years, they have not turned over their investigative records to the Smart family to go through and see what was done. Like, what did you do to look for our daughter? What did you do to look into this suspect? And because those are all under lock and key, they've only been suspicions, essentially. So when they came out during the trial in 2022... So that was really the first time during the trial that was the moment. in discovery, all this stuff comes out. Correct. And so the smarts, again, have still not been given those files, but because defense attorneys would bring up sentences from different reports, the smarts are sitting there in the audience going, where did that come from? You know, we've yeah. uh, even I, as the reporter who had heard about these incidents, was like, there we go. There's proof that there is a document somewhere that says Paul Flores did blank on such and such date prior to Kristen going missing. So this the was school knew about it. Other creepy things he was doing to women. 
Right, harassment and stalking, essentially. Wow. Um, you know, the story I told in one episode about him climbing the trellis of a woman's off-campus apartment, right. banging on her door in the middle of the night and refusing to go home, he's drunk, the cops were called out. That was always just an anecdote. It was like, we know this happened, but we don't know the woman's name. We don't know the address of where it happened. We don't know the date and time exactly. We just know it was around here, and we've heard that it happened. So now we've got a document, you know, it still hasn't been turned over to the Smart family, but they now know it exists in the record. So, so this, this lawsuit basically says you have refused to give these to the Smart family, right. thus the statute of limitations can't really start running until they know what's in those records, right? There's a file cabinet somewhere with a deadbolt on it, and until you open it up and let them look, how do they know that they can or can't sue you. It's not like it, it's not like they turned over all of their records in 96 and the smarts waited 27 years to do something about it. Right. The smarts still don't have any of it. Therefore, the statute of limitations argument, which is really what it's going to come down to, has too much time passed for them to sue the school. Well, it depends on how the court is going to define when that statute clock started running. Did it start running the day Kristen disappeared? Or did it start running, or does it start running, when Cal Poly finally turns over all of their records and gives the smarts and their attorneys an opportunity to see the extent of the mistakes that were made? Are, the, are there different time limits, different statutes of limitations? Is like wrongful death different than, you know, the infliction of emotional distress? Or do You know, I don't, I don't really know. From what I've heard, the statute is typically one to two years for all of those crimes. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and therefore, you're going to have this, a court is going to need to decide this. And I've seen since the news has broken, it's been all over mainstream media, CNN, and everybody brings in an attorney. And it's it's frustrating because they'll they'll get a talking head on who doesn't know anything about this case who will just read a few sentences and then they'll go you know Nancy the problem we're going to have is that a long time has passed but they don't know the nuances of yeah. why this has taken so long you could you could just as easily say too much time has passed therefore Paul Flores will never be charged and we're in here in the future and he was charged and he's currently sitting in prison answering for this crime that took place 25 years before he was arrested. So this is no different. That's, that's a, it's fascinating. Do you think Cal Poly just settles? If I, you had to guess? I really don't know. I think... Um, I have to imagine. I don't know. I feel like they... Why, who wants this, right? Right. Um, in my dealings with Cal Poly administration, the people who I have talked to, they seem like kind, good-hearted people. I've gotten almost nothing but support from Cal Poly and their staff. And but they're a university; they're a California State University, and they're gonna they're gonna have some big shot attorneys who are good at this kind of stuff. So I don't think it's gonna come down to like the right thing to do or the sensible thing. I think it's gonna be. What does the court think? Do you think if you had to guess why the smarts did this now, would it be because of all the stuff that came out during the trial? Or was it recent remarks by uh, Jeffrey Armstrong, Cal Poly president, that kind of said, did he kind of step in it in a way where he was like, hey, mistakes were made, things should have been done differently? Do you think, are are they hanging on that? as him opening the door to perhaps liability. I don't think the smarts certainly are. I don't think for the smarts that was all that big of a deal, but certainly for the legal end of it, I think it might have been a mistake for him to speak to a reporter who is asking questions and to say something like things should have been done differently because now there's documented evidence that the current president of Cal Poly, who was not there at the time, believes mistakes were made by Cal Poly. Correct. That's Which we've all believed we for a knew. long time. Yeah. And I think in his heart, he knows that's true. And he was just trying to be kind and, and say the right thing. But to say it on record, I think, was probably a mistake. 
How do you feel? Like, do you think the sheriff's department is watching this news going, oh, are we next or what? No, because I think the sheriff's department always knew that this was in the wings. Yeah. I think the sheriff's department knew how the smarts felt about the way Cal Poly had done this. And the people that I spoke to in the sheriff's department certainly had the same take on it. It's like, look, we know the public hates us. We know the public is so upset about the way this case was handled. But you got to understand, this started from day one. We didn't even get the case until 30 days after she had gone missing. And a lot of mistakes were made before it came to us. I mean, it feels like there was so many critical mistakes made so early that there was never a chance for this to go right. Right. And and part of, and this is just my personal, this isn't necessarily in the lawsuit, but one of my personal issues with this is that I feel like behind the scenes, they knew from the first interview with Paul Flores, this is the guy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's very clear. They did call in two DA investigators to sit down and interview Paul because they believed there was enough there that it's like, this is our guy. But publicly, they continued to maintain that there was no crime. And uh, like, I brought a newspaper clipping here that I wanted to show you. This uh, um, this ran in the Cal Poly Mustang News on June 20th. Headline, so investigators' is, parents remain clueless about missing Poly student. So this is almost a month after Kristen goes missing. And, you know... Four or five days after Kristen went missing, they sat down with Paul and interviewed him. And when he left that day, they're like, we need to call in some other people to deal with this. They got the DA involved. They started talking to the sheriff's department. They kind of knew what had happened here. But publicly, the lead investigator, Mike Kennedy, said to the paper, quote, there is no evidence of any criminal activity. It doesn't look like she was the victim of a crime. So we are pursuing this case as an adult missing under unusual circumstances. So this is long after they suspect that Paul Flores was responsible for her going missing. Publicly, they continued to maintain nothing happened here. And that's my issue with this is that it feels like Cal Poly was mainly trying to protect their own reputation. Yep. They didn't want to scare people from enrolling the next semester and or I believe their quarter system maybe. Um, but they they didn't want to scare students off and they've always sort of shrugged off accusations that they had done anything wrong. I've heard from a lot of people who started listening to the podcast. I attended Cal Poly in 1999 to 2004. I never heard this girl's name. Like I didn't know this happened. And so that's an issue. That's an issue that it seems like Cal Poly knew that a crime had taken place on their campus, but was publicly saying that they didn't believe one had. And I don't believe that's true. I believe that even as that investigator was saying those things to the paper, he knew that something had gone seriously wrong. Yeah. Like they were just kind of riding that wave of no one really being arrested, no one really acting on these things. And like, well, they're like, well, okay, well, if there's nothing, if there's no there there, then I guess we're cool. Like, you know, but, but no, it, it kind of hit a lot of the, the missteps and man, that's so interesting. Right. So that's what it's going to come down to. It's really, like, I think a principal issue. It's should a university be allowed to bungle an investigation this much and then just walk away from it with, you know, kind of unscathed. And I think that has never sat right with the smarts. You know, I don't speak for them again, but my... um, my conclusion is that they've just always felt like that was not right, that something hadn't been done correctly. Sure. Plus the way that Cal Poly treated them over the years, you know, for a long time, they didn't hear from the administration. They had a number of times where they called the campus and tried to get information. And it was like people in the administrative building didn't even know there was a missing student. They, they, it was just not being properly discussed the way that it should have been. Now, the complaint is they want a jury trial. 
Right. They want a jury to hear this out and make their minds yeah, up. Yeah, and I, I would assume that's probably what the law firm thinks is going to be best for this. Oh, is sure, that, I would imagine um, so. I, I can't imagine the smarts are prepared to sit through another jury trial, but, you know, it's what what's the right thing to do in this situation? And yeah. if that's what it's going to take, then that's what it's going to take. Yeah, I have to imagine this school is just going to be like, no, we're not going to... We're going to settle, like right? I mean, I, I don't know, but I, I, that's what I would imagine because th- this is, would not be, you know, I, I think it doesn't behoove them to play that out all the way. Right. You know, at some point, I guess a judge is going to have to make up his or her mind on the statute of limitations and when it actually does start. Right. And then I feel like from then, we're going to know what direction this is going to go and they might just settle. Right. Yeah, I think it could be a coin flip. I think yeah. that Cal Poly's attorneys will probably push for the statute argument that too much time has passed and obviously i think there's enough i think there's enough there that i question whether that should be an issue it's so weird because even if they do that they're still sweeping it under the rug oh too much time has passed it still doesn't take responsibility right i was reading the comments on your post and wanting to see kind of we were talking about this off the air a little bit you had mentioned too like you were really kind of wanting to see what the temperature of the room was with people and I was just hoping not to see comments like, oh, it's about money or da 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 da. Right. And it was like the vast majority of comments were completely supportive of, of Cal Poly taking responsibility for this. Yeah, I think, I think the public feels strongly that Cal Poly was a major part of why this wasn't resolved quickly. Yeah. And, so, and they know, you know, you, from following along, you know that this is not a family that's looking for compensatory monetary damages. This is about principle that this should be an inconvenience for a university. When a student goes missing on campus and then 25, 26 years later, somebody is convicted of murder and the theory is that she died in his dorm room on the campus, which several people have slept in over the years and and, and they've treated it like it didn't happen. That should be a major inconvenience to that university. And it has not been thus far. It's been swept under the rug and not treated like a serious crime. And it's, it's time that it should be. Is that dorm room still... Like in active use? It is, yes. Really? Yeah, I've been in there. The last occupants showed me around and let me take pictures and stuff. And um, it, What was that like? Like, how did that feel in your, in your heavy, bones? Heavy, kind of haunting. Um, it's just quiet, you know, like no one's talking. You just walked in, you're like, and they're like, this, this is their home. Right. Like, they go in there, they probably, they do their homework, they have drinks, they, whatever. Like, that's where they live as a college yeah. student. And it's randomly assigned, so it's just random who's going to get assigned that room. But once they did, and they listened to the podcast, they're like, that's our room. So they messaged me and said, if you would like to come look around, we'd be willing to have you. And it's inconvenient. Like they, a number of people have said when they were staying there, somebody would come knock on the door and be like, did you know someone was murdered in this room? And nobody wants that room. No. And uh, yeah, it, it's unusual. There's some unusual things that have taken place in that room. The way that the furniture was hand- handled and moved out, the way that the carpets were changed and the windows. It's like something went on in this one, but not the one next door. Oh, really? So, yeah. It's like Cal Poly was aware right away that some of this stuff needs to be saved in storage and maybe fingerprinted and searched for fibers wow. and, and yeah. all that stuff. And so the very next quarter, they just moved some unsuspecting student into that room who had no idea until news crews start showing up and saying, can we get some shots of this dorm? Yeah. I think just to walk in there and feel the energy of a room that, I mean, that Kristen was in. Yeah. And that, you know, I, I just can't even, wow. It must have been very heavy. Yeah. I, I sat in there for a long time. It was important to me just to be there. 
Do you feel like when stories break, like on this new lawsuit or say what happened to Paul a couple months ago, like, okay, here, I got to go to the laptop. We got to go, like, we're going to pound out a story. Like, 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 you owe it to us to do that? Somewhat. I yeah. feel like I'm inevitably I'm going to be asked about it. And so I try to be a little bit ahead of the curve and try to make sure that I'm prepared for that sort of thing. And, um, but yeah, I feel like. I've sort of done what I can do on this and, and behind the scenes, I've done a lot since the trial ended to find Kristen. That's like still a big priority is to figure out where Kristen's remains were moved to. And so I've done a lot of work on it that I have not reported on. And I feel like the reporting is the bottom priority for me. It's like, I don't have to publicly say anything until I know for a fact that I have something worth sharing. But then, you know, you have these big breaking news incidents where I have to address it. I can't wait to ask you, you're going to be here all week, and I can't wait to ask you, you know, where you were when you found out what happened to Paul and how how that felt. What's next for you? What's, you know, you're going to jump on another case. I know your music is, uh, it's the first album in like years that we're putting out. So I'm so excited to continue with Chris Lambert. Are you back tomorrow? Sure thing. a lot more to talk to Chris Lambert of the Your Own Backyard podcast about. If you know fans of his work, share these conversations because this is when, in my opinion, Chris is so real here because when you just get him in extemporaneous conversation, I find there's like layers of him that are you just don't get on his podcast but are equally as engaging and fulfilling as far as his content. So love that he's going to be on the show tomorrow and the rest of the week. All right, switching gears. Here we go. We're about to give somebody $1,000 for the Slow Restaurant Week Grand Prize. $1,000 in collective gift cards to all the participating restaurants. Let me thank our friends at McClintock's, the place to be since 1973. Everyday happy hour from 4 to 6, the Steakhouse in Shell Beach. How about the Saloon in AG, the location in San Luis Obispo? Check them out, McClintock's.com. While you're there, order a drink with that recipe 15. The F. McClintock's Recipe 15, it's a it's their collab with Maker's Mark. Private selection of bespoke, one-of-a-kind expression of Maker's Mark exclusively created for McClintock's. Check them out again, McClintock's.com. All right, we wrapped up Slow Restaurant Week. Now it's time to get a winner. Collective gift cards equaling $1,000 from all of the participating restaurants. This is a cool prize. To help me do it, back on the show, Jackie Clark Charlesworth. It is great to have you on again. Thanks for being up in Adam. Thanks, Adam. Great to be back. Okay, so what a successful slow restaurant week. Uh, we just capped everything off on uh, the weekend, and we're about to get a winner of the $1,000 prize, which is going to be really cool. But all in all, it was very successful, was it not? Yes, I think so. We had over 1,000 diners participate in the 10 days of Slow Restaurant Week, which is just fantastic. They went out and ate at our 41 restaurants who signed up to be part of Slow Restaurant Week and offer perfect pairing. So our goal, we far exceeded it, I think, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And those are the people who actually took the time to do an entry. Some might have gone just out to patronize because they heard the word and and we, we don't even know about those people. So the odd of a th- over a thousand people hit their entry to try and win this grand prize after supporting local businesses. Now, just because Slow Restaurant Week is in the rearview mirror, I don't think that the savings 
and the good times are done because January, all January, is Eat Local Bonus Month. So Jackie, still, we're encouraging people to hold on to those receipts because you can get hooked up if you do. Yes. So save your receipts. Eat Local Bonus is still going strong. If you have dined out in the city of Slow any time since January 2nd, Save those receipts up to $100 or more, and you can go into the visitor center and get a $25 gift certificate to another local eatery. So we are going to have one epic prize for our Slow Restaurant Week winner who's going to get $1,000 in gift cards from every participating eatery. But everyone else can still qualify up to three times for Eat Local Bonus and get $75 to other local eateries. So save those receipts. Save those receipts indeed. You got all month long to do it. Okay, so we're ready to get on the phone. We are going to call a Sarah McPhee and we are going to be giving her some good news. Jackie, you ready to do it? Yes, I'm so excited. I hope Sarah picks up. All right, let's go. Hello. Sarah. Hi. This is Adam Montiel from Up and Adam. We got Jackie Charles Charlesworth. Charles, hold on. Clark Charlesworth from the city of Slow. <laughs> it's a tongue twister. <laughs> it certainly is. Sarah, you went out and supported local eateries during Slow Restaurant Week. You entered the grand prize and you have won $1,000 collectively to all the restaurants participating in Slow Restaurant Week. Well done. Thank you. I'm very excited. Yeah, yeah. You you went to my friend Mike's Pizza. That place is the bomb. Have you been there yet, Jackie? I have. It is delicious. Yeah, it really is the best pizza I've ever had. So, And it's all about the bread. It's the the sourdough crust is so good. Yes, it is. It's not very cheesy. I like how I like everything about it. Yeah, I know too. I even like their vegan ranch. Have you tried their vegan ranch? I have. It's delicious. Yeah. Yeah. Made from scratch Mm -hmm. there. So I know. you have the, the biggest decisions you're going to be making the rest of the year is where to spend all of these gift cards. <laughs> we have gift cards for literally every participating restaurant that did Slow Restaurant Week. That's so great. I hardly ever eat out and now I'll get to try it all. Yeah, you're going to be eating out a lot for the rest of the year. That's for damn sure. <laughs> <laughs> yep, so yeah. many different restaurants. So including my oh, friend cool. Mike. You'll get to try nice. 39 other places if you haven't. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, that's exciting. We haven't lived here like super long, so that'll be fun. Where did you come from, Utah? Yeah, we we moved here from Park City, Utah. Okay, cool, yeah, because I noticed the area code. Um, Lady I Fancy's sister lives in Layton. Oh, yeah. It's so, not far from you at all. Yeah. yeah. What brought you over here to Slow? Uh, my, my husband's from the Central Coast, and he works remote. So a couple years ago, we just decided to come try it out. Well, look, I am really excited. Both Jackie and I are thrilled to meet you. We are very thankful that you went out during restaurant week and supported local spots. That's the whole reason why the city went out of their way with Jackie and her team over there to do what they could and getting folks to support local during a month that is notoriously slow. So for you doing that and then you hitting that entry, I mean, look, it clicked, you won, and it's just awesome. Great. Um, thank you. <laughs> Sarah, you're going to have to go back and listen to Up and Adam's podcast from last okay. week where we had Mike from My Friend Mike on. Oh, That's right. yeah. Okay. Yeah, we had Mike. It was a great interview. I really like him. And like you, I'm a big fan. Oh, yeah, I should. Big fan of his food and his stuff. And he's a great guy. Thank okay. you, Jackie, for all the work that you and your team did for Slow Restaurant Week. It's been so much fun working with you. And it was fun to uh, get Sarah on the phone with you too, Jackie. 
so fun. Thank you so much for being our partner in this. And we're just thrilled that we had so many participants, over a thousand, Sarah. So you were oh, one of wow. over a thousand of our lucky winners. How did you how did you pick the winner? Random. How did it get a number? Yeah, a number selector. We took all the people, we put a, oh. a, a random number, got fed out, and we just called that person. So that's how it all happened. Oh, wow. That's you're a lucky number so great to finally win something. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, yeah, I've never won anything and it's so fun. Yeah. Oh, I think I have some good luck. Actually, if you haven't heard, uh, we have another great program going on right now, too, which is called Eat Local Bonus. So save that receipt from my friend Mike's and any other dining you've done in January. And you can Mm -hmm. take your receipts totaling $100 or uh more to the visitor center. And you can get a $25 gift card to another local eater. Oh, okay, cool. Sounds like Sarah's going to be making it rain gift cards to local eateries. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Sarah, hang on the line. We're going to get you on hold and tell you all the info that you need. It's been my pleasure to meet you here. I speak for both Jackie and myself. Thank you for being Up and Adam. All right, thank you. You're Up and Adam with Adam Montiel. Adam Montiel. Community content from Concentrate. Available wherever you get your podcasts. For links and more, visit adammontiel.com. Well, all right. Time to become Sarah's new best friend. All her friends are going to be like blowing up her phone. So when are we going to dinner, girl? What's up? Congratulations, Sarah McPhee, for your $1,000 prize for Slow Restaurant Week. And like Jackie said, don't forget, Eat Local Bonus goes all January long. All right, can't get out of here without thanking my friends at Tin City Distillery. Love the folks there. Located in one of the hottest tasting locations, Tin City, duh. Tin City Distillery is open for tastings of their spirits, and they're also just a cocktail bar seven days a week. Go hit them up and get a drink. Their canned cocktails, elevated, refreshing, My favorite now is the Blackberry Bramble. Get them in four packs at the grocery store. Check them out. Thank them for being up and at them. Tin City Distillery. All right, don't forget tomorrow, back, Chris Lambert from the Your Own Backyard Podcast. Still a lot to ask of him. Thanks for making us your first podcast of the day. Also rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the show. I want to thank our friends at Full Cup Solutions for technical consideration. Moonshiner Collective, Dan Curcio for original music on the show. Start again. Stream them wherever you get your music or learn more. MoonshinerCollective.com. Thanks to the Up and Adam family, including McClintock's General Store Paso, We Help You Legal, Dow Vineyards, Tin City Distillery, and the Woods Humane Society. We'll chat tomorrow. Have a great day. Thank you for being Up and Adam. Start again. Let's start again.